welcome to episode 405 of Awards Daily's Water Cooler Podcast. My name is Clarence Moy, and I am joined by the other two M's. So M's, let's go around the cooler and tell the listeners who you are and where they can find you on the internet. Joey, we will start with you this week. Hi, I'm Joey Moser. You can find me on Twitter at JoeyMoser83. Megan? Hi, I'm Megan McLaughlin. You can find me on Twitter at HeyDudeMeg. And again, I'm Clarence Moy. You can find me on Twitter at Clarence Moy. Hey, guys. Happy Martin Luther mm-hmm. King Day as we're recording. Yes. Yeah. Happy MLK Day to you. Mm-hmm. So, Megan, you did not have today off, correct? No. <laughs> I always wonder what people do in, in terms of like an, a, a day of service. Like what, what do they do in terms of giving back to the community and things like that? And I always say every year I'm going to do something and I have the best intentions. Um, but today I, f- I ended up having to drive for six hours, so I was unable to do anything um, meaningful with my time except for riding in the car, listen to audiobooks. I've actually never had, in all my jobs, I've never had it off which I think is kind of a funny, like, because most people do, I feel like, but I've never had it off. Joey, but. did you have it off? Uh, yeah, I wasn't. I actually also, well, I mean, my job isn't like, it's not like a place that would be closed for Martin Luther King Day. We're like a market. So, um, but oddly, they gave me like five days off in a row and I don't know why. I was like, they were going to, they, they might just be firing me, but, um, uh, yeah, but no, they, they gave me off. Like I was off Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then I'm off tomorrow and Wednesday. And, and then I have, and then I found out that the market where I work is actually closed on next Monday for like a, like a maintenance issue. And I'm off Sunday and Tuesday. And my boss emailed me today. She was like, I'm so sorry. You're off on Monday. And I was like, Oh, darn. <laughs> very funny um so hopefully you guys had a good weekend we did have the critics choice awards which we're going to talk about in a, in a little bit of depth here on the podcast tonight and uh we're also going to talk about hbo's new critically acclaimed the last of us which is a another zombie slash post-apocalyptic slash survivalist drama um and we're going to talk about what we thought about it, what we think about the reaction, whether or not, you know, we're invested in it, whether or not we agree with the effusive uh, critical praise that's out there for it. Um, and then, of course, we're going to close with the media we're most anticipating in the upcoming week with the Flash Forward. So you guys ready? Yeah. Excellent. I, I must say, Megan, I did, t- uh, I did go see Megan this weekend. Oh, did you have fun? I did have fun. I, um... For no fault of the movie at all. I was very, very drowsy during a lot of it um, <laughs> because I just, I, I, holiday weekend, I've been staying up way too late and my yeah. body wakes me up at the same time every day. So I would have been getting a lot of sleep and I'm old. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I did enjoy it. I actually thought it was really, really interesting. It, it, it posed a lot of really interesting questions. Um, much more, I, even calling it to me, calling it a horror film is kind of putting it into a, uh, a bucket that I think it, it it's smarter than that. It's not just your standard sort of Blumhouse black phone mm. type horror film. I think it, 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 it has a lot on its mind and I think it, it, it asks a lot of really interesting questions about our relationship with technology. I thought so too. Yeah. I thought that um, it, I was, I actually was more interested in things that it didn't lean in as hard on that I thought it yeah. would. I said hard on, I didn't, it didn't <laughs> lean as much Farmer. on, um, like I, like the idea that Megan would have a relationship with 
um, Gemma that like she, uh, I thought that was really interesting that she was um, like kind of jealous of her, like, you know, wanting to be, she was close with her. I thought that was really interesting. And I kind of wish that they would have um, done more of that, but I, I thought you're right. You're absolutely right. I think it had a lot on its mind and um, I'm sure there will be sequels that it could maybe unpack more of these ideas. We hope. It's already greenlit. It's already been greenlit. So. Yeah. I, um, I especially, one thing I wasn't prepared for were the, um, <laughs> like the, the opening commercial of the, yes. the Furby like uh, yeah. things, whatever, I can't <laughs> remember what they're called. Those little terrifying things with those little tiny teeth. Furbies, <laughs> like Furbies. Yeah. Like Furbies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was pretty great. And, uh, I loved, there were lots of small little moments in there that I really thought were very interesting. You know, it does kind of devolve into sort of a horror movie, you know, climax, but, um, it was it was really interesting. I liked it. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. So um, let's jump into the Critics' Choice TV Awards. So were you? I think I, I know I was. Um, actually, I don't think I actually. Yeah, I did watch it on the CW. Were you guys part of the 900,000 people across the country that watched it live? I didn't I was. watch. I I what I, I, I did not watch it, but um, but I um was like kind of casually scrolling through Twitter to see what people were saying. And that's how I've kind of followed it. I've never actually watched Critics' Choice. I always end up doing something related to it for the site. So I usually watch it. Um, I don't think I did watch it last year. I think it maybe somebody else did it. And I kind of watched it. I, I scrolled through Twitter as you did this year. But uh, Joey, you and I watched it. We, we were exchanging a few texts, but not too many. What did you think of the show? Um, I, this is the first time that I've actually sat and watched the whole thing. Um, Critics' Choice isn't typically, maybe because they're a younger organization than like, say, the Golden Globes or obviously the Oscars. Um, you know, and it's, it's, I feel like maybe it has only been televised for a number of years. Um, I, my main beef with it was sort of how they, treated some of the uh tv winners i thought announcing two at a time was kind of bizarre yeah i thought it was actually kind of disrespectful like i understand like okay and this sort of lends into a conversation we have almost every year about how sort of how like film twitter people lean into tv when there's nothing else to do it's also just like if you're going to like rush through the TV stuff, just don't have TV on your ceremony. I, I just, I mean, I don't know. Like, and, but the thing is like the, they always had, um, <laughs> I messaged Megan. I was like, are they just going to have like, Oh, like a, a kooky, funny white dude get on stage with a really smoking hot, gorgeous black woman every single time. <laughs> like, cause it w- was main two times. It was just when Paul Walter Hauser went up at the same time as Nisi Nash Betts when she went for Dahmer and then Henry Winkler went on the same time as Shirley Ralph. And both of those women gave really fantastic speeches. Um, and you can tell the awards meant a lot to them. And I, I didn't want them to sort of share it almost, even though I like Henry Winkler and Paul Walter Hauser. It just sort of felt like, but they didn't, they only did it for like the supporting categories. And it, it made me like a little uh, annoyed that anytime they're like, all right, it's time for this category. I was like, oh no, what are they doing? And then like for lead and, you know, like lead in a drama, lead in a comedy, 
they didn't do that. So I was like, I'm, I don't like your lack of consistency or your lack of consistency. And I do not like how you did it. So that is my two cents. I hope you guys don't kick me out of your organization because I like stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be transparent, you guys did not. You, you, were, you are a member of the Critics' Choice TV organization, but you yes. did not have the opportunity to vote on these awards, correct? No, I did. Oh, you yeah, did? Yeah, I did okay. too, yeah. You didn't vote on the nominations, was it? No, I think our membership was accepted, I think, after... I'm not sure, but no, I didn't... I, I, I no. Okay. <laughs> I always liked Critics' Choice TV Awards when they were held in June, or in the summer. It was was used to be split, wasn't it? Yeah, it used to be split. And and it used to run more so that they could have an influence on the Emmy cycle. So it would follow the Emmy calendar and it would Mm. air in, you know, the nominations come out in June. It would air in August, I think, kind of like the Hollywood Critics Association does their awards. Um, and, And I prefer that because basically... Other than to just clearly award what people what what television critics think are the are the best shows of the year, who are they trying to? They're not obviously trying to influence anything. So what is the purpose of this uh, except to, you know, obviously have a body of television critics who want to have their voice known, but they're not going to influence anything because these are weird makeups of categories. Because you have like in limited yeah. series, almost all of this was from the previous Emmy year, except for. This is going to hurt. I think that is this year. This I mean, yeah, I think that year. premiered mm-hmm. in June. All of it was from last year. You know, then for drama series, you've got a weird mix of you know, Euphoria and The Good Fight with House of the Dragon with Severance and with Andor. You know, it just it, it it's strange. It's really strange, and I, I just preferred them when they were running in the summer. Mm. Just my opinion. I can see that. Yeah. Um. I mean, the winners were kind of all over the place. You did have a lot of, you know, there were some rubber stamping of Golden Globes um, awards like Abbott Elementary winning comedy series. Um, But then they went off and instead of giving Best Actress to Quinta Brunson, it was Gene Smart. Um, Jeremy Allen White won for The Bear. Daniel Radcliffe won Best Actor in a Limited Series. So it was just kind of all over the place. They, They were fun in that they were unpredictable. Henry yeah. winning for Barry was weird. That was a surprise yeah. to me. Yeah. I actually when they, was a surprise. Yeah, I think when I read um who was in that category. I think I remember when Leslie I Jordan. Oh yeah, I voted for Leslie Jordan. Um so uh I actually thought he was gonna win. Or one of the guys from Abbott Elementary, or even Brandon Scott Jones for Ghosts. Right. Uh so yeah, I don't know. But Better Call Saul was the big winner, winning three trophies. Um, there are a handful of episodes that are sort of the tail end of the series that will uh, impact this year's Emmy race, but it's like three or four. It's not very many. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with that. I think uh, two, I would say two awards are particularly important. One is Paul Walter Hauser winning for Blackbird. Mm-hmm. Um, following up on his Golden Globe win, he got a SAG nomination. This is a performance that people are going to have to pay attention to when it comes for Emmy time. Um, the other one is uh, Dahmer. Even though didn't show up in limited series here, didn't show up in actor, Nisi Nash did win here um, following the strong showing at the Golden Globes. 
Dahmer is something that's very clearly going to have to be paid attention to as well. Not that we didn't know that already, but it's you know underscoring it that it's winning Guild and Critics Awards. Um, I think that that will carry over for the next couple of months into the Emmy voting window. Yeah, I would yeah, actually, I agree. Um, yeah, I would say that um, just to throw an endorsement for Blackbird. I think Blackbird's a really easy watch. It's only six episodes. It's on Apple. I think Paul Paul Walterhauser is so scary in that show. He's really good. So Taron Egerton. Taron Egerton needs to get some recognition, but oh well. He's got nominations most everywhere, right? Wasn't he nominated? Yeah. SAG? He mm-hmm. and he and Paul Walterhauser both. Yeah. Um, but uh, probably the biggest surprise of me for me for the night uh, came from the TV section where uh, Julie Roberts was actually in attendance at the ceremony <laughs> for an award that she most definitely was not going to win. I was just so surprised. I thought she was going to present something at some point. Like, I just, I was like, why is she there? <laughs> yeah. Maybe she just wanted to get dressed up. Maybe she happened to be in town. <laughs> so, um, did either of you have any other uh, comments on the TV awards? No, everything, you, everything you said was, I was thinking I've got to see Blackbird now. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Everything you said was kind of what I was thinking. I'm happy for Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, I was too. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I finally saw that, by the way. And oh, yeah. um, it's so stupid. I still <laughs> haven't seen it. I need to see it. I thought you did see it. No, I haven't seen it. It's so dumb. I love it. It is dumb. I really loved um, Evan Rachel Wood's Madonna. <laughs> She's really good in it. Her incredibly ruthless definitely fabricated version oh for sure for sure yeah for sure but i feel like madonna's the only person that you could really do that to because madonna like could take it you know um jumping very quickly to the film awards um obviously we're seeing some trends here where we're seeing not to not to win best song again as it did at golden globes um you're seeing kehe kwan win best supporting actor angela bassett starting to get a couple of trends going um do you guys think that the Critics' Choice is the sort of the start of what will eventually be our Oscar winners? Or is it still a competition between what everybody assumes are the three main titles, everything, everywhere, all at once, the Fablemans and Banshees of Inner Sheeran? Um, in terms of performances, I think this year SAG is going to be very key. I think SAG usually is the 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 key but i feel like in terms of actress like i think if i think if kate blanchett wins sag she's probably winning the oscar i think if um kiki kiki kwan wins sag i think he's winning the oscar i think i think supporting actress is still a little um hard to predict just because maybe just because the beginning of that category was so weird, but I mean, if they want to give it to Angela Bassett, I'm not going to complain. Um, I think the, (laughs) probably the most interesting one there is probably lead actor because I think, I think if Brendan Fraser wins SAG, he probably wins the Oscar, but I think if Butler wins, it's a harder, it's going to be harder for Brendan Fraser to win. Right. And I think if Colin Farrell is going to be competitive, in that category, he's going to have to win something. Somewhere. He needs to win there. But I mean, I, I, I've thought, you know, when you sort of think about, you put yourself in the mindset of what the critics are going to like. I, I feel like sometimes critics' choice is 
rather easy to predict in a way. Like, I thought Brendan Fraser was going to win this Critics' Choice just because the critics, like, lauded his performance so much. Like, they they were high on Colin Farrell and Austin Butler, too, but I feel like they, um, you know, I feel like that, you know, that felt natural to me that he won that. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't think that... I'll just say one thing, then Megan, we'll, we'll turn it over to you for commentary. I, I didn't think Brendan Fraser was ultimately going to win once the ceremony started because the whale lost makeup to Elvis. Uh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, so they don't like the whale now, so they're going to give it to Elvis. And then Brendan Fraser won and got up there and sobbed and, and gave her what I thought was a really weird speech, but um, that's okay. Not everybody shares that same view. Uh, Megan, what did you think? Um, I think that... I think it's still all up in the air with everything. Um, I think that, especially with, with best actor, I, I think I could see it going. I, I still think there's nothing slam dunked yet. Like, mm-hmm. and, and SAG, you're right. will probably tell us that, but I also think that, um, I don't know. I think we'll get some surprises. I, I, I it'll be interesting to see what, who gets in for best supporting actress. Cause I feel like since it's mm-hmm. so competitive, that people could be left out that we think are like, like I'm, I'm anxious to see how the Academy will respond to like rewarding Angela Bassett for a Marvel movie. And I know that's very controversial, but, but like, um, I think that that's going to be, I, I don't know. I wonder if she could fall out even because of that. I don't know. Um, I just think it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out because I think it's really competitive with supporting Mm -hmm. actress and supporting or and an actress and actor i think supporting actors more straightforward i think that's the most locked up yeah. yeah yeah but i think the other three are kind of like the wild west i'm not sure what's going ha- going to happen yeah i, th- I, th- I think that's really smart what you said about it's going to really depend i mean this may seem like duh when i say this but it, it you're right it really does depend on who gets in for supporting actors because Hong Chow didn't show up here in Critics' Choice, mm-hmm. but she is there at SAG, and it does feel like that she's going to get that sort of, I hate to say it, coattail nomination because she fully deserves it because she's fantastic in The Whale. She, I think she gets the best performance in the film, um, but it's mm-hmm. kind of like the year that Maggie Gyllenhaal got nominated with Jeff Bridges um, for Crazy yeah. Heart. Is it Crazy Heart? Yeah, it is yeah. Crazy Heart. Um, you know, her best scenes are with him. And if you're watching that movie for him and for his performance, you're most likely going to respond to her. Yeah. Um, I do think that like, and I, th- I think, th- I mean, for people who predict stuff like the website that we write for and what Sasha does and, you know, all the other websites, like I know it has to be difficult because, you know, it is so fluid and it is more all over the place, but also I am always I think it's exciting that so many, I mean, three acting races are yeah. more than likely completely up in the air. I think that is so fun. And um, it sort of goes back to the definitiveness that I really hate when someone's like, well, it's, it's clearly between Angela Bassett and Carrie Condon. I was like, I need you to explain that to me because that doesn't make sense. Okay. Well, also no. because Angela Bassett hasn't been up against like all of the competitors. You know what I mean? Like, so if somebody like, um, for example, I don't know. I'm throwing this out there. Claire Foy gets in and people really like that performance. Like what if people are like so psyched that women talk and gets a nomination that they throw their support behind that? I don't know. I just think it's, it depends on like, because I was thinking about it. I'm like, oh, she's not gone up against 
all of the people who are possible. Right. So mm-hmm. who, who it depends on kind of where everybody lands. But um, I mean, I would love to see Angela Bassett get a an Oscar. Don't get me wrong, but I'm kind of like, oh, I don't know if I want to. And I, I don't know if other people feel that way. Like, and I'm sure I'm going to get letters, um, you know, <laughs> but I, I don't know if I want to see her win for Wakanda forever, especially since a lot of people are um, lukewarm on the film from what I've seen. Like even people yeah. who are really excited for her to be nominated are like, I don't even really like the movie that much. So I wonder if that's going to play into it too. I think, well, yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, even if, even if I, I like the movie fine. I like the first Black Panther better, I think. Um, but I think if you, I, regardless of what the movie is, I think she's actually really good in it. Um, like the, I think the two, I heard someone say on a podcast, like the two best scenes in the movie, it's about her. I was like, okay, I agree with that. And um, I think it would be a really good win just because the things that we like about Angela Bassett as a performer is like how much power she has over you when she's on screen. And I feel like she does that very well in this movie. Um, So if she wins for this movie, do would I, am I going to pretend this is for what's love got to do with it? Of course. But, um, she's she's holding an oscar i'll be fine (laughs) yeah yeah i mean yeah i i I totally agree i'll i'll take the win for her because i think she is i don't think hollywood is necessarily going to give her those meaty roles again like you know how many more opportunities can you get like what's love got to do with it you know i mean she's i don't think i just feel like no one has really of course she's a fantastic actor she has been acclaimed but but she's never really been given that kind of material again yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, it really is. Um, but you know, to the point where I, I sat there, you know, when I was watching um, Black Panther the second time with my son over the Christmas holiday, I was like, "It's such a shame that Frances McDormand could not recognize that she really didn't understand." <laughs> and this is going to be controversial, and I apologize. I love Frances McDormand. I just don't think she understood Lady Macbeth quite as well as other actresses oh, have. And I would have loved to see Angela Bassett in that role as Ooh, Lady Macbeth. That would have been interesting. Megan, have you seen the the? I mean, I'm sure Clarence has seen the clip of her. Yes. Where I think she's like at a talk show on a talk show, and someone brings it up, and she just goes into a Lady Macbeth monologue. Who does? Like Angela, Angela Bassett, Bassett, like oh, on really? the spot. It is like that. Is like what dumb gay people like me love movies and actresses that was like porn <laughs> i mean it does it, the way that she calls that recalls that monologue oh. in air and and just immediately steps into that character it just oh it it, it, it just shows up my emotional beats oh yeah yeah i mean i'm looking up right now i'm gonna stop i i it's just such a missed opportunity to put her in that film against denzel and have someone that I thought was delivering at, at his level for that. I just, mm. I just, I know Frances McDormand loves that character. I know she wanted to do this for years and years and years, and she was the impetus for the film. I just think that it, it would have been in, in better hands with Angela Bassett personally. But anyway, interesting. Um, the only other thing I'll say about the best actress supporting actress race is it'll be really interesting to see if both actresses get in from everything everywhere all at once. 
uh, Stephanie Hsu and Jamie Lee Curtis, or if one is left out, because I think that makes that race a lot harder if you don't, if you're not splitting votes between the two. Yes, I agree with that. It's also interesting to see if Michelle Williams does get placed in this supporting, or also if uh, Andrea Riseborough, like all this talk (laughs) about Tim Leslie, um, which I think is really fascinating. I would like to see the movie, but um, like, it's just like, wouldn't that be crazy if that were a last minute spot? But like, that'd be insane. But she would be best actress though. Yeah, but I mean, still, like, if she took Best Actress and Michelle Williams ended up in Best Supporting, like, that would be insane. Yeah, and and that whole conversation, I think, is really interesting, too. And I know a lot of people have made fun of it because of all of the big-named stars that have come to the, gone to the bad for her recently during, here, uh, during the voting window. But isn't that what film critics are supposed to be doing? Looking for those performances and championing those performances, they completely slept on that. If if she is as great yeah. as Kate Winslet is saying, and others, I mean, not just Kate Winslet, like fifty actors. I mean, Kate, Kate Blanchett mentioned her in her speech and last absolutely. night. Absolutely, yeah. Critics are sleeping on that. They should be seeking that out and championing these, and not just reiterating the same performances over and over again. <laughs> because mm-hmm. because that you know, remember when um, LA film critics. They used to pick like completely random people for actresses. Yeah, nobody. Like, they were not in the conversation. Like the year Vera Farmiga won for *Down to the Bone*, a movie that nobody had heard of. Until she won that <laughs> I award. I love that. And then oh, she shit. went on. You know, she didn't get anywhere with that. But then she went on to get you know big things like uh, *The Departed*. And then she that mm-hmm. film, that recognition got her the role in *The Departed*. And then she got on. You know, went on to get the nomination for *Up in the Air*. Critics groups should be looking at performances like Andrea race. Well, that is also sort of something that I, I saw someone tweeting, like if Andrea Riseborough gets into the best actress race, she better not take the place of somebody like Daniel Deadweiler. And I would love to see Daniel Deadweiler get in. I do think that a perform like that's okay. I get annoyed when people assume that like an actor is responsible for their placement. Like I saw somebody say like, I love you, Michelle Williams, but this year you need to sit out. I hope you don't land in supporting. I was like, she's not voting. Like she's not telling people to do it. And then it's just like people like critics like that. uh, Daniel Denweiler and tail is like a, a hugely critically acclaimed performance. And it's just like, you have to, if you love the movie, you need to keep talking about it. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, it'll be interesting to see if Michelle Williams does end up in supporting because people think that it is a supporting performance like they did with, they thought uh, Kate Winslet was the lead of the reader when when everybody thought, you know, she was being campaigned as supporting. Um, and she won the Oscar for lead actress, even though she was originally supposed to be a supporting actress. If she gets into the supporting race, I think she wins that. Really? Odd. I do. That's interesting. I don't know. I feel like people have cooled on that whole performance. I think the reason that she didn't get in at SAG was because of category confusion. Hmm. But don't they always just place people like willy-nilly? I heard somebody say just recently on the podcast today that said for um, uh, SAG specifically, they tell you where to vote. Ah. that's only a SAG specific thing. So like if they thought she was 
a supporting performance. They were not allowed to vote for her in supporting, from what I understand. Ah, okay. Well, there goes my theory. Never mind then. What do I know? (laughs) I only knew about this about two hours ago when I was listening to a podcast. Well, anyway, um, other comments about Critics' Choice? No. No. I think uh, it's interesting to see how people are caring less and less about award shows. Every, I mean, I know it's pandemic affected, but do you, uh, I wonder, and this is just maybe a rhetorical question, um, but if you, either of you want to weigh in on it, that's totally fine. I wonder if award shows come back from the COVID times. They do. I think you just have to have like a movie that people or like a show. Well, I think, I mean, they've always kind of been, well, I, I think social media has made it so, oh, I'll just catch it later. Yeah. But I think That's with like true. things like the Oscars, um, I think that all you need is a big movie that people really want to rally around and like a Titanic or um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that I, I think it's always been like this. It's always been the nerds who want to like know what's going on. But some people, but it's not the only way to get it anymore. So you can, I'll get it the next day or I'll be on Twitter. Like I was with the Critics' Choice. Like there's so many ways to get it. Um, I think people still care. I think it's just, it's just, uh, oversaturated with ways of finding out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, um, I think very few things on live television are considered events anymore. Yeah even like sports. Um, what do I know about sports, but sports. <laughs> um, I was even like, watch- <laughs> you're going down an interesting road there. <laughs> well, like I was thinking about like, I, I was talking about like on new year's Eve, new year's Eve, like as the ball was dropping, the Ohio state university game was on, like they were literally kicking a field goal at 11 59 at 58 seconds. And Jason was flipping back and forth to see if they were going to get back into the playoffs. Um, but even then it's just like, you can watch it later. So because of how sort of saying what Megan was saying, because we watch stuff differently, it becomes less, you know, precious to catch it in the moment. Yeah. I, I do think it's, it's become a lot easier for people to consume in other ways. If it's, even if they're, if they're watching it on a streaming network, um, or, you know, like YouTube or through the website or something like that while it's happening, or they just, they're like, you know what? I'm okay with, with waiting a couple of hours. I'm doing this thing. And so I'm going to find out who won just by scrolling down a list or scrolling through my Twitter feed to see what the biggest outreach were, you know, that kind of thing. All right. Um, let's jump to HBO's the last of us, which comes from the creator of the creators of uh, Chernobyl, Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann. Actually, Neil Druckmann did not create, uh, was not involved with Chernobyl. He was involved with the video game, uh, The Last of Us. Um, it is based on a video game. It stars, um, uh, uh, sorry, one second. It Pedro stars, Pascal. Thank you, Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey. I was just looking for it on the page here. Uh, and it basically is a post-apocalyptic zombie drama with a more intense focus on people and not necessarily, you know, the walking dead, not literally meaning the walking dead, but zombies. Uh, but, but here in this case, there has been a fungus that due to global warming has 
evolved and has learned to take over humans' bodies and and control their impulses to, and then allows it to spread to other people. And somehow that also causes them to feast on human flesh. Yeah, I guess you can't have a show like this without somebody gnawing on somebody's ear. Um, so this was a big deal with critics. Um, what did you guys think? I was surprised by, uh, I really loved the cold open. I thought the cold open, I was like, ooh, I really love this. Um, I love how it's like setting the, um, setting everything up for what's to come, you know, that about, um, you know, mushroom or basically like some sort of fungus that's going to come inside you. I thought, oh, this is really interesting. Um, <laughs> I thought that the, um, I love that it took place in 2003. So I, I found myself uh, thinking, oh, I'm probably, I was this girl's age. Uh, Sarah, who I grew to like in that opening sequence. Um, Bye, girl. And then I Googled, I was like Googling her shirt. Because uh, I'm like, what What singer is that from the time? Here I just learned that that's just the shirt from the video game. Um, so I felt stupid. But um, but though no, whenever she spoiler alert dies, I was kind of like, oh, I really liked <laughs> that relationship and was really bummed out. And I um, I thought it was really intense that first, like I'd say the first twenty minutes were really twenty twenty five minutes were really intense. But I also felt like I'd seen this before. Like I don't know if you felt that way as somebody who has watched The Walking Dead and other zombie movies. I. I felt like, oh, okay, this they're going through all the steps that you usually take to do this. Like, um, and then I, I found myself when they do the 20 year jump, I was just kind of like, okay, I'm not that interested anymore. <laughs> um, and I know that's probably just me not, I don't know what it is. I think it's just me maybe not being into another zombie show, but I, I understand that everybody's really psyched about it. I almost feel like I need to give it another shot. Um, also, that that one and a half hour running time was kind of like, oh, oh really? Please just do something like a one hour drama. I really like those. But I, it reminded me a lot of The Walking Dead. And I know that's probably, um, you know, blasphemy. But it really did remind me of it. I, I thought, oh, it's, this is just all the same things that, that usually these shows about zombies go through. I don't know. A coming of age. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I've seen some commentary online about some of the things that you're saying, and people are, are, are definitely comparing it to The Walking Dead, and those who are defending The Last of Us are saying it is so much more human drama, there's so much more human interest here than in The Walking Dead. Their focus isn't really on the undead. It's on the people. It's on the, the, peop the human versus human. But see, that's kind of the stuff I don't like about The Walking Dead is the cruelty of humanity yeah. in situations like this. I don't – you kind of got at what my immediate reaction to watching this pilot was. And, and we did not get screeners, so we're watching it along with everybody else, which is I don't know that I really want to sit through this and wait for people to die. You know, in in something that feels so real and just so unpleasant. There are some things I knit with the an episode, but I I will admit that the episode is incredibly well directed. It's it's well acted enough for what it is. Um, I loved the first fifteen or twenty minutes, and then once I saw that character die, I was just kind of like, oh. <laughs> um, 
Like, you know, I was disappointed in that. I, I thought the scene that, that starts the, sort of the 2023 sequence with the little boy walking into the camp um, and then what happens to that little boy was incredibly compelling and really creepy. But then when the rest of it is so focused on smugglers and and all these people running around talking about other people and I don't know who these people are, I just feel like I don't get it. I mean, oh my God, I felt the same way. I'm so glad because I felt stupid. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what's going on. I feel, I felt like this was very much for people who like, and that's great. These are, if this is for some people who enjoyed the video game, awesome. And if they're enjoying it, great. I just felt like, I was like, okay, what's, what's the deal? Can you guys let me in on this? I want to know too. <laughs> I want to know what's going on. I do think it pretty closely follows. I know there have been some, uh, about halfway through it, I, I should preface and say I pulled up the Wikipedia page for this and for the game because I needed to know what was going on because I just wasn't getting it from what was given to me at that moment or my ability to absorb information last night after the Critics' Choice Award. So um, it does appear to, to follow pretty closely to the events of the video game, and it makes me wonder, like I read kind of a spoiler of the whole summary of the game, and it, I kind of can see where this is going. Apparently... Though episode three is beyond amazing. Everybody has said, if you're not into the pilot, at least watch through episode three. Okay. I guess I have to keep watching. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's actually what I was feeling. Like, I was actually very compelled by a lot of it. Like, the, the, uh, when you re, okay, so I feel like I knew kind of what was gonna happen. Like, I don't say it was predictable because I don't think it was predictable, but I did feel like like when the girl went over to the neighbor's house and there were two old people, I was like, all right, the old right. people are going to die. And I was just like, as long as you don't kill that fucking dog, I'll be fine. I and know. I'm, I'm sure the dog did die, but I don't see it. Therefore, I don't think he did. I think he so, found a family to be rescued with. So How nice. I will believe that, too. Um, it's it's um, I don't like mushrooms to begin with. I, I will say, yeah, I don't either. I think mushrooms are disgusting. So the whole thing about well, the monsters are about uh, fungus. I was like, all right, this is a choice. Let's see where it goes. I do feel like the um, like the sequence where you, where stuff starts going down and they're in the car and they're going back and forth and there are people that are infected and uh, you see a plane crash and I was like really into that. I was just like, okay, um, give me like a teeny bit children of men vibes, you know, shit like that. But it was um, I started. Uh, losing a little bit of interest in the middle when it did, you know, introduce all these people. Did not know that was Anna Torb, by the way, until after yeah. I watched it. Did not even I love her. her. She's great. I love her. Um, so knowing that she's in it, that's fine. Um, that'll that'll keep me invested. So I, I did get the feeling, and I'm glad that you said that people were saying keep watching, that I felt, I said this to Jason too, I was like, I feel like this is so much exposition. And so much, you know, establishing stuff that I am going to keep watching because I want to get to the part. I want to get to like the sweet spot. Um, because if if a lot of it is anywhere near as good as like some of the sequences that are in this, I think I'll enjoy it. Um, I can see why people really love it. Um, I'm just I, I'm just I like it. I, I'll, I'm, I will see where it goes. <laughs> I. I, I do want to say, I think it made for a very compelling sequence, but I do want to sort of roll my eyes at the fact that this, this fungus virus or whatever it is came up so quickly that, you know, a plane fell out of the sky. 
Like, come on, really? Like, I, well, I just assume somebody killed somebody on there and that they just crashed or something. They killed the pilot. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, but maybe the one, well, maybe the co pilot uh, became infected and killed the pilot and then they just crashed. Yes. That's what I yeah. assume. Another reason to why Joey doesn't want to get on a fucking plane. <laughs> I just, I also just feel like um, with these, uh, like the zombies are always doing the same shit. Like I just feel like, even though I did read that these are fast moving zombies, I'm like, okay, like well, what, the old they... lady running was creepy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the part where they're like he's carrying Pedro Pascal, who I'm sorry is gorgeous. Yeah, he is gorgeous. I was like, never shave that mustache, you son of a bitch. Um, he <laughs> was he when he was he. Some men just look better with mustaches, and he's one of them. That's true. Um. When he was carrying his daughter and he like turned the corner into that like dark area where there are like those creatures feeding on those people and the one of them stood like like leaned its body up a lot faster. So I was like, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then the, yeah, the chase that was creepy that comes. Oh god. Yeah, that was that was really creepy. I just uh if this show is gonna be more about people being awful to other people, I mean, you know, unless you're throwing a dragon in there or something, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> kind of out. <laughs> but yeah, that's I'm with you, Clarence. I feel like if if this makes people happy, that's great and fills that niche that Walking Dead has left behind that's gone now since it ended. I I, I also find it kind of weird that like Walking Dead is like not even like it's still uh, warm in the grave right now. <laughs> we've already got this show. It there's... just feels like like so fast. Like we've, there's no grace period between the two. <laughs> No, it's well. I mean, the the Walking Dead universe is not done. The Walking Dead series sure, is not. Of, it's but there's still other AMC right, zombie right, shows on. Right. I just feel like does anybody get tired of zombies, or is it just me? Yeah, and and yeah, I'm 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 sick of it. Well, and and that's when I kind of fell out of the Walking Dead. Is when when you know the our plucky band of survivors walked up on some guy who beat the Asian guy in the head with a baseball bat until he died. Yes. and I'm just like. I don't want. That's what happened to Stephen Young's character. Yes. Yeah. That's what happened. To, that's what you're going to do to Stephen Young. All right. Yeah. Definitely. Denny. Not that's what. Gray's Anatomy beat him in the head with a baseball bat. That's when a lot of people quit watching. I feel like that was like a turning point for that show. It's just really nasty, and I'm just. This is this is me, Clarence Moy speaking. I'm just not here for something that is overtly this nasty. That is not. Completely fantasy. Like I, I, I get it. People yeah. think that I'm being hypocritical because I love Game of Thrones and I love House of the Dragon, and those are people being bad to each other. But that's clearly fantasy. It is a world with magic and dragons. I can deal with that. I can suspend disbelief. Last of Us. Uh, this this could happen. I mean, this you know, this is more a more realistic and you know, uh, right. zombie plague than anything I've ever seen. And I'm just I'm just like. Nah, nah, I just I just need to go and, and go in my garage and find my classified documents or something. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Next to the vet. <laughs> yes. It's under lock and key, Megan. Jesus. <laughs> um yeah. That said, we also loved uh yellow jackets. So I don't know. Maybe it's just the zombies thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't know. Give me give me eat, people eating people, but I don't want to see zombies. <laughs> they have to both be alive. Yeah, they have to both be alive and have to deal with the consequences. I, I, I need yes. the cannibal to have agency. Yes. <laughs> and, and fun costumes that they made in the wild. Yes, yes. 
No, I because of that reason I will uh, Joey, you've inspired me. I'll I'll keep trying to watch this and give that uh give that first episode another shot too. Like I I did it there were certain moments where I actually um I mean, I just watched it. Like I I it's very fresh in my mind. But it's also like I sat down and I I know that people don't like it when people complain about running time, but I know that HBO has a lot of um confidence in the show. So that's probably why they gave it, you know, this big sprawling 90 minute opening. But I was, I was, I was drifting a little in the like, like, oh, we're going to negotiate with this guy who, who steals stuff, you know, give me drugs. And I was like, no, I, I want, I want something a little bit more, uh, Exciting fantastic but, fantastical but, but, yeah but like, maybe like, really? it'll get there and maybe that's maybe that establishing maybe i'm just not into that establishing stuff at the moment but i liked it I, it sounds like i'm bitching about it a lot but i liked it but um yeah i just yeah, love it i don't dislike it i just don't feel the it's need just, for it yeah i i'm the same way I, that's how i feel i don't think there's anything i think it's doing ex- everything it's supposed to be doing and people are mm-hmm. into it and i heard that the Opening sequence is like almost shot for shot, just like the video game, which I thought yeah. was kind of oh, fascinating. Really? Cool. Um, but I just felt like, I don't know, I felt like I'd, I'd seen it before and only they weren't with fungis or fungi, whatever. <laughs> Too funny. Um, but, you know, maybe it, uh, I, the other thing is, you know, there is a, there's something that is revealed at the end of the episode. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So this whole series is going to be about keeping this person alive. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, really? I mean, Mel- Melanie Linsky's in it. Yes. Um, That's keeping me alive for this show. <laughs> well, there's, there's other bits. It does. Um, like Nick Murray, Offerman. Murray Bar- yeah. Nick, yeah. Uh, Nick Offerman, Murray Bartlett's in it. And if he doesn't play, <laughs> yes, he's a survivalist. But if that survivalist does not, it's not like a um, <laughs> a uh, um, waiting for Guffman type choreographer <laughs> in his former life. I will be very well. I also feel like he has to. Um, I mean, I guess spoiler alert for White Lotus season one. I feel like he now only should pick projects where he is killed in them. So I feel like the last two or, or three he projects. shits in a suitcase. Yeah. <laughs> or he shits in a suit. He did not shit in a suitcase and walk into Chippendales. Maybe that's on like the cutting room floor, but um uh yeah. So well, um I have no idea how closely they're going to adhere to the video game with his character, but his uh character is seen in the first game as a corpse. So oh. you may get your wish. <laughs> oh. But it looks like they're diverging from the game's narrative. Some fans have, uh, some some gamer fanboys have been upset that he's uh, actually a live character. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I, it, it just it's a video it's game, guys. Yeah, it's a video game. Come on, <laughs> it's great. But it's interesting. Um, the the critics' grades are raves. Um, yeah, audience scores are very strong. So we'll see what happens with this uh, at the Emmy cycle. I mean, it's HBO, so. Um, but it is an HBO drama and they have a lot going on, potentially having to put white Lotus in drama, having to put house of the dragon on drama and, uh, another season of, um, succession. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's a lot. That is a lot. All right. Anything else on, uh, on that one? No. All right. No. Let's jump to the flash forward to the, mm, excuse me. Let's flash forward to the media we're most anticipating <laughs> in the upcoming week. And uh, Megan, you go first. So um, as we drop this podcast, well, I guess we're dropping this tonight. Well, okay. Tuesday, January 17th, 
the thousand pound sisters are back. And I saw somebody <laughs> just describe it online as, as like the white people clunks clumps, you know, from, <laughs> and I was like, that's kind of terrible, but maybe accurate. I'm not sure. Um, but I love them. Um, I'm excited to see what's going on with them. Um, and like, there's a lot, of, I mean, Tammy gets married. I'm really excited about that. Um, also I'm loving the challenge this season. I'm really just embracing all of my reality TV right now. Uh, I'm even watching 1000 pound best friends because a uh, thousand pound sisters is a gateway drug apparently, but, um, which I'm really enjoying, um, the journey that those women are going through, especially Vanessa, who's like just killing it. She's doing awesome. Um, and then let's see what else is going on. Um, I don't know if there's anything. Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race has been great. Uh, I've been enjoying that. Um, that's Friday. Um, I don't know. I would like to watch some of my uh, catch up on some movies, but right now I'm kind of enjoying not not having to be stressing out about movies and stuff, and watching my bad quote unquote bad reality television. So there you go, Joey. What about you? Um, I'm looking forward to the voting window closing closes tomorrow as we record this podcast. Um, all of my interviews are up on the website. So I don't worry about, uh, you know, I did, I, I mentioned this to Clarence probably and Megan, I want to share with everybody that I did, um, just because of how scheduling worked out. I did like nine interviews on Tuesday and they're all up. They're all up on the website. That's wow. just on Tuesday. That doesn't include um, the like four other ones that I did. Um, so I did like 13 interviews this week and they're all live and they're done. Just done. They're on the website. Please go read them or I will I'll throw myself through a window. But um, it's just a lot of short film stuff. I'm going to have my uh, breakdown of short film categories up this week on the website. There's a lot of really great stuff there. Um, I'm apparently going to go see... Uh, the greatest performance ever committed to celluloid uh, to Leslie. I'm going to watch that this week. Um, Do you have a screener? You know, I thought I actually had a screener, and then I was as we were recording, I was like, oh, pull that up now to remind myself. It's It was a request for a link. I could probably request it, but also it's it's you can rent it on Amazon for like six bucks. Um, so you can do that. Um, I'm also excited to see... Um, Julian Moore has a new movie on Friday. Uh, uh, when you finish saving the world with Finn Wolfhard, directed by Jesse Eisenberg. And I thought the trailer looked fine, <laughs> but it's Julian Moore. Um, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to catch up on some screeners because now I can finally do that. And obviously, with those trackers, because I already think it's. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> they just sent me a meme that I will not share. Um, <laughs> I felt really bad. I'll admit it on this podcast. I felt really bad because I was just like, as soon as they announced, I'm not going to say it, never mind, I'm not going to say it. But um, something from Critics' Choice, I was just like, all right. Uh, Clarence, I will I will say, just to confuse, confuse you, there's a lot of, uh, there's a famous drag race quote where somebody gets really emotional after they were not eliminated or in the bottom. They were, they were pronounced safe in that week's challenge and they got emotional and bawled their eyes out and made a scene and they sh- cut back to one of the famous queens in a confessional. She said, that's a lot of emotion for safe. And I made a, <laughs> I made a meme that said, that's a lot of emotion for critics choice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Megan, I sent you what I sent to Joey. Okay. 
Oh. <laughs> um, so I have a screener to um, Skinamarink. Oh, I watched. I saw that. How was it? How did you like it? Um, I will be very interested in your reaction. It is unlike anything I've probably ever seen. Yeah. Uh, that's good. I saw it in a theater on Saturday with a very packed house. And I was well, not was only playing like two screenings, right? Yeah, it was. It's not scary, but I was very unsettled by it. And I don't really even know why I have theories. Why I think why I was unsettled by it. But it's not like, it's not Paranormal Activity. It's not Blair Witch Project. It's nothing like that. And I understand why people are like, well, that's just fucking stupid. But um, I, I think it, it's, it's interesting. So I'm very interested to hear what you have to say. Well, I want to see that. I also want to see something that, that you mentioned a couple of months ago. I don't know if you ever saw it, but it's um, Tony Collette's uh, The Estate. Um, oh, is that streaming somewhere yet? It is available on Apple uh, movies for rent. Okay. Um, so I'm, I want to see that. I looked at the trailer. It looks kind of funny. Um, and then now that uh, my son has gone back to college, we are no longer binging Game of Thrones. We got halfway through season four, which I thought was pretty good. Over a two-week period, we watched 45 episodes of television. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, I'm going to catch up on uh, Apple's Blackbird. And... Uh, Wednesday, which has gotten more um, buzz for Jenna Ortega's performance than I thought it would. I've seen the first episode, and I, I just didn't really care for it for whatever reason at the time. But now that kind of we're, as you both have said, we're out of the film heyday and, and all of that, um, and it's kind of a dead zone until um, – maybe March or uh, March or April in terms of television, I'll start to catch up on some of these shows. So I want to see that too. Um, yeah. So I think that's it. Does that cover it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's get the hell out of here. So we are the three M's contributors, Joey Moser, Megan McLaughlin and me, Clarence Moy. Thanking you for joining us, asking you to remember to rate us on Apple podcasts or wherever you find us. Also reminding you to subscribe to our YouTube channel at awards daily and wishing you a very pleasant tomorrow. <laughs>